Welcome to the first podcast of the academic year 2022-2023. My name is Hannah Cobb. I am the interim associate dean for online and blended learning. So I'm keeping the seat warm and I'm taking over from Becky Bennett, who did lots of these fantastic podcasts uh, last year and in the previous few years. And then in the last uh, but one podcast that Becky did, uh, which came out in June, uh, she spoke to David Spendlove, who is the Faculty of Humanities Associate Dean for Teaching Portfolio, to find out a little bit more about the Size and Shape project. And since then, since June, uh, things have moved on, the Size and Shape project has developed more. And so I'm really excited to welcome David again to have a chat about that. David, thank you very much for coming to talk about Size and Shape. For, for those who listened to that back in June and need their memories refreshing, could you remind us a little bit about what Size and Shape is? Okay, yeah, Size and Shape is multifaceted. One of the priorities that, and, the, and the headline that most people will be familiar with is that it's basically how we're going to manage our portfolio going forward to hit some key objectives, but primarily to, to grow our portfolio in the way that we want to. However, it's much more than that. And I think one of the things that's probably useful today to, to explore is, is just some of the different ways that it might be conceived and how people may interact with the portfolio. But the main the main dimension is that the portfolio is going to grow, but it's going to be growing in a managed way and, and quite a different approach to how we develop our portfolio. Brilliant. Oh, so tell us a little bit more then about, about the sort of process of development, about the kind of themes of the size and shape process okay so i think there are what we've what we've uh kind of decided is that there are five main themes around uh size and shape now we didn't know this before we started this is what has, has emerged over the last 18 months or so so first of all the, the the first part is is what i've just mentioned is that um the growing of the portfolio this is around about 25 programs that we're developing over a three year period it it may increase that but there's there's a solid foundation of 25 new programs of which there are 10 new programs going to be starting next september so people involved in those they they'll know what's what's happening and they'll be very much part of that development now the second element of size and shape that became apparent very quickly was that we needed a, an infrastructure so we needed to build an infrastructure to create these programs because we've never developed so many programs at the same time in the same way to very tight uh, can key performance indicators about what we were going to do. So that included uh, developing what we've called previously a shepherding process, which guides people through 19 steps. And I'll talk about that in a little bit more detail uh, later. Uh, secondly, uh, a learning design process. And then thirdly, the, the linking of marketing and admissions and finance all together so that everyone is, is basically on the same page. So that's the, the building part. The next side of size and shape is the, the policy side. So making sure that our policies align with the, the portfolio developments. And the main one that colleagues will be familiar with is something called QSDE, which is quality design and enhancement. So this is what we've previously had as our approvals committee, but we're now framing that very much around the key themes of quality design and enhancement, um, basically to ensure that 
all programs, not just size and shape, but all developments go through that process. The fourth element, and this is very much in its uh, early stages, but the fourth element of size and shape is a re review and refresh approach. So looking at our existing portfolio and checking on its well-being, making sure that it's fit for purpose and doing those things that we need it to do. Um, I've said many, many uh, times that our portfolio is our biggest asset. So we need to know how we are monitoring that and also how we are making sure it's fit for purpose going forward. So that's things like looking at the data associated with our portfolio, looking at the cost, looking at the number of units and so on. And then finally, the, the fifth element is also in its early stages, but is likely to become much more significant. Um, initially, we've called this simplifying the curriculum, but it's also linking to something called transforming the curriculum. And basically, this is about just how many programs do we have and how are the various parts of those components fitting together and working? So basically, the number of units that we have is huge. And do we know what they're all doing? Are they all working properly? Uh, do we have repetition of our units and how are we avoiding duplication? So they're the five elements uh, that once people can get their head around that, and they don't have to get their head around that because that's for me to do. But once you get your head around that, you can see how all the various parts of size and shape fit together. That's amazing. Um, this is a really uh, nerdy question. So how many programmes do we have across the whole of the Faculty of Humanities? Do you know? It depends how you count. But there is a lot. So it's between 400 and 600, again, depending upon how you count. And But if you then go into kind of unique pathways, then we get into really large numbers. And what, what we've got to do is make sure that we know that each one of those programs is doing what it's meant to do. And also, when you then say how many units are associated with each program, you get into the thousands then. And then one of the things that we're looking at at the moment is just the number of uh, units with very, very, very small numbers on. Now, often that can be easily explained, but knowing how each of those units contributes to a program is just really, really important. Inevitably, I, I think, you know, whenever people hear that we're looking at this or trying to find out that, there can be some concern. But this is in all of our best interest that we understand how the component parts all make the contribution to the portfolio that actually sustains much of what we do on a daily basis and ultimately results in, in a high quality student experience. It's really interesting to hear about the process. For me, it sounds sort of like lifting up the bonnet of, of uh, the Faculty of Humanities and making sure that all of the components are running smoothly uh, underneath. And, you know, the idea that, that there is so many different programs uh, and how we sort of manage all of those is really it's really interesting to hear about the the process from my perspective with a, a love of e-learning it's really uh, exciting to hear about the kind of infrastructure that's being created that kind of joined up approach I think sounds like such a sort of important way to to develop this process and uh the fact that you're sort of embedding learning design within it uh is 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 really brilliant um is it all right to ask you just a little bit more about that that's yes yeah, certainly yeah i mean i mean so you know one of the things is all of this was conceived during the the height of covid you know so we had a task force that was meeting throughout covid and these were dark times when we were meeting at the end of the day, people from across the faculty uh, to look at this new priority, which was size and shape. And it was it was at that point that we kind of started to see how learning design, which we knew existed, 
but how we could build that into the process. And to me, it's one of the biggest features of our uh, curriculum and portfolio going forward, because I think the, the just the early evidence that we've had is so promising and so positive uh, from when we've built it into the new programs that, um, you know, we'd be foolish to, to not build upon or not to find out the ways in which it's working and what it does. The, the, the premise is, is that, you know, my, my background is teacher education. I, I've been planning learning sequences for a long, long, long time. And it's very hard to do. I mean, at, at one level, anyone can do it. But equally, to do it well isn't that straightforward. And, uh, you know, what we've done throughout the processes so far with the new programs is matched up the academics with learning design teams to, to kind of focus on key areas and take them through that process. Now, at the same time, we've also got marketing taking them through a process. And at the same time, we've got the, the, the shepherding taking them through a process, a process of 19 steps. So you can see there's a lot for the, the academic to normally hold them there. I mean, it, it, in many respects, it's almost impossible for an academic to do it to the standard that we want it to be done without the levels of support that we're providing. And the feedback, as I say, is incredibly positive. But one of the things that we're looking at um, this year, again, is trying to formalize our thinking around the learning design and very much building in priorities. So the priorities that we're, we're now focusing on are student voice, which I think many, many people struggle to conceptualize. And if you get it wrong, then, you know, you, you can't really build upon it. Secondly, really putting an emphasis on mapped assessment and think about how we assess. And again, anyone can do assessment, but actually to do it well is really quite difficult. So matching people to the uh, to, to colleagues is really, really important. Inclusion, again, is a, a priority. So we've actually built that into our 2024 programs as a, as a priority. It should always be there anyway. But again, I think colleagues struggle. So we now build in um, EDI involvement in our development steps. And also uh, we have something called quarterly reviews. And one of those will focus on specifically on EDI and supporting colleagues. Another one which you'll be familiar with is digital skills and looking to how we build that in. So we, we're, we're dedicating time to that specifically. Employability, again, which obviously links to, 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 to digital skills, but looking much wider than that and you know all these people that i'm talking about on all those themes they're at the very start of the process so they they meet at the stakeholder meeting and then we we map out when they're going to be involved in the development of the program and then finally which kind of tops and tails the whole process is ensuring that the programs have a clear identity but also there's a coherence and a progression and that's really really important and what that is all done through is a clear process of what we've mapped out as 19 steps. Okay, so the 19 steps are what uh, academics will go through from start to finish. Now, we'd never mapped this out previously. In many respects, there's probably several hundred steps, but there are 19 milestones that we map out for each program and we put a date against each one. And then on a monthly basis, we uh, evaluate where each program is against that milestone. Uh, and in some respects, you know, some, some people have said, why does it take two years to build a program? 
And it doesn't. Uh, we can do it very quickly. It takes over a year, though, to market the program. You know, if you're, if you're talking about getting a program out to people who've never known it even existed, you need a year to market it. Um, the time it takes to actually build a program can vary. We could do it very quickly, but inevitably we don't want quality to suffer. And all those things that I've just talked about, you know, they are, uh, they take time to do, but we support people and we're getting quicker at doing it. So I know kind of sometimes, as I say, people can say, it just seems to be taking a long time. Um, actually, it's it's quite a short time that we we take. And as I say, mapping through those 19 steps and the, and the big difference is now is when we start and when we agree a program, which is agreed by the size and shape board and by the faculty leadership team, we then expect it to come to fruition. Whereas in the past, we've started programs, but they haven't always emerged. But what we're also doing is building in the resources from the very start as well. So at that very first stage, we involve timetabling and we involve conversations about staffing because we know they're going to be needed uh, at, at various stages. So staffing are typically being employed to develop these programs along the way. So the commitment is there and it's a very different way of, of doing uh, program development, but a very productive way as well. It's really interesting. It's really interesting to hear about how holistic that process is. And um, I still think two years sounds sounds quite quick, to be honest, uh, in terms of turning it around. I imagine the colleagues who are running the 10 new courses, uh, 10 new programmes starting next semester probably feel like two years is quite quick as well. Could you can you give us a, a, a bit of a reminder? What have we got starting next September then? Uh, so in 2023, we've got... Some some really interesting programs, and um, well, they're they're all interesting, but some really quite new ventures, and each of them we've started almost with a blank slate, but you know, trying to think about them in different ways. But we've got, um, I'll just give you a, a sample from each of the schools. So we've got a new BA Global Development uh, from Seed, which is the first undergraduate program from. GDI. So they're venturing into undergraduate for the first time. And, and I think that's just really interesting. Uh, we've got a new MSc Urban Studies, which is a really good example of where we've taken a program from a research area that didn't previously have uh, teaching in place. And we've, we've developed a, a new master's program for urban studies. And, you know, the colleagues on that have been really positive about their experiences they've said we should do this for everything. I mean, if, if only we had the time, but they've done some really great work. And because they've been starting from scratch, some really interesting assessment work that they're, they're doing. And perhaps we can talk about that at another date. Um, Salk have got some fantastic programs um, to do with digital media and culture and society. Also one really interesting one is uh, MA Library and Archive Studies, which is going to be based at the John Rylands. And again, it's just a, a fantastic program, just, just you know, really interesting the way it's been developed. We've got uh, digital marketing for AMBS and SOS. We've got another global social challenges. I mean, one of the things that's interesting is the, the social dimension and more so in the 2024 programs, there's the sustainability and environment uh, programs. So 2024, we've got another 10 programs. We've got some programs that are distance learning as part of this as well. Um, and, and together, you know, they are looking really very interesting. One of the things that we are looking for is perhaps a few programs that are 
big difference as well. Um, so whilst they are different, I think it would be interesting to see what might be possible as well. But we're, we, you know, we're looking at new programs all the time. Amazing. It's really interesting to hear about all of this. And for me, like you can hear like the amazing strengths of, of teaching and learning across the faculty and, and research across the faculty sort of coalescing in these courses and bringing in all of our sort of collaboration with our with our cultural institutions. And it's just so brilliant to, to hear about all of these. Thank you so much for coming to talk to us about this, David. And um, I think certainly in a year's time, we're probably going to have to have a catch up again to sort of see how the first ones have got going how it's all worked out for colleagues who are listening to this who are interested in learning design even if you're not running a size and shape program you can uh, engage with the faculty's learning design services via our website and we'll put the link in the description but yeah thank you so much once again David it's been really brilliant to hear about it and uh, look forward to talking more in the future thank you thank you